Welcome to Polycast, a civilization podcast focused on game strategy. Canis Albinas. Makalua. The Man Team. Mega Bears Fan. Press Alt Z to use GeForce Experience in game overlay. I'm not in a game! Oh, 404, our podcast is found. As in, I can see it on YouTube. Ah, good. That's probably going to be our title, too. Anyway, <laughs> let's try starting again. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to Polycast, episode 404, Podcast Not Found. Uh, but we actually are found. I'm Canis Albinus, and we only have two of our co-hosts here today. Uh, we have Makalua. Podcast found, coffee also found. And the me and team. I'm not found. Or what do you mean, two? Uh, Mega Bears fan is dealing with a house-related issue at his home. Now that I understand, but uh, uh, you're here as well. By my count, that is three. Yes. Three! Uh. Uh, uh, uh. Also, uh, for those of us, for those of you who aren't listening live, we are 55 minutes late because I fell asleep. And everyone can blame (laughs) me for that. Well, then you had another 15 minutes of technical difficulties with OBS, so... Yes. Why is it not picking up my mic? news to us because we've known actually for all for a while but what's going to be news to <clears throat> those of you listeners uh all of you know dan q uh well part of the reason he he's went off and is doing this is more of an occasional thing is he is now a dad and that actually happened last year a little boy named evan where is he? he's not to six months yet i don't think or maybe he is i think he is i think he was born he if is? he was born last year he's, oh, he's six last, months yeah old. Okay. i can hi yeah listeners i can math no i can't <clears throat> but it's doing very well. He and mom and baby and everybody's doing very well. And he's apparently a decently well-behaved baby, you know, so at least he's getting his sleep and things and that he's been able to play with us more often, you know, on the Saturday night multiplayer. So if anybody wants to just pop in on the thread and say congrats to Dan, you can. Also, this thread was posted a while ago, but we've missed a couple shows since then. So <laughs> yeah, well, um, Fourth of July and other things. Fourth of July and also medication shifts again. Yay, not. <laughs> but he is also a very adorable baby. We have seen <laughs> pictures. I don't know if there are any po- posted pictures in the in uh, public, but no, just in <clears throat> just in private to those of us that he knows well. Yeah, but even Dad, even Dad was talking, <clears throat> even Dan was talking about that the other day. That it's like he. The Dan himself is grumpy. Oh gosh, I have to go get him. And the baby looks and he's like has the cute face, and he's like, oh, you're so cute. So I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that's how they get you. So you don't want to put them back in the crib and go, cry yourself out. Blah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that uh, when this is related to how, um, like Dan told a story about how people in public, like, just ignore him and talk to the mom <laughs> and the baby. Where does he get the red hair from? Um, I'm right here. Yeah. But it reminds me of how when I was a very small baby, my mom, like, I was born with more hair than some kids have when they're three years old so 
a lot of people would come up to my uh my mother and say how is she 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 looks really cute how old is she she looks like she's a year old and then they'd run their fingers through my hair and it would drive my mom nuts yeah i don't know touching other people's kids is odd but a lot of people just feel inclined to for some reason we're touching the mom when she's pregnant. That's even more like, why are you touching her? I mean, they're both weird. <laughs> if you want to say one's worse than the other, I won't quibble. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, generally, like just touching people out of nowhere. Without permission, why? Yeah. We'll stop. Especially like very young children. Anybody really, though, to be fair. That's your lesson for the day. Don't touch people without asking. And don't touch their kids without asking either. Walk up to random strangers and give them hugs. Actually, uh, let's amend that. Don't touch other people's kids. Okay. So I think we've, uh, I think we've established that. Yeah. Boundaries. Boundaries, please. Okay, so our next topic is, uh, I think this happened a few weeks ago, but FreeCiv reached, uh, what did they reach? They reached their, they reached the third edition. They're, they reached 3.0, which has a lot of, like, Civ 3 stuff in it. But they've also got a newly released version that you can play online in your web browser for free. Oh. And, uh, looking at the page here, it looks like, there's nobody actively playing right now on a Saturday at, at roughly 1 o'clock p.m. in the United States. So I don't know how popular it is. But these guys have been working on this game for a long time and they've made it run in WebGL, which is pretty impressive. And uh, the fact that FreeCiv itself has reached um, like Civ 3's level of stuff. Yeah, because when they first started out, they were really just trying to emulate like Civ 1 or 2 and... The fact that they got this far and everything is, uh, that's just great, actually. If I recall correctly, now I don't have any sources to back this up because I don't know these people personally, but I think the reason that FreeCiv exists is because they were trying to get the source code for Civ 2, and uh, somebody said, or somebody in an interview said that Civ 2's source code was lost uh, because it was like, uh, it was the, um, the microprose computers and the only person who would have like kept that would probably have been Brian Reynolds. And he was two companies removed from it at the time they were looking for it. So, and I know that they haven't re-released Civ 2 and Civ 1 in a, in very many years at this point. So I'm sort of suspect suspecting that that's part of the reason why it hasn't been re-released is because the source code is missing. But I believe that's where Civ 2 originally or Civ free Civ originally came from was we want to play Civ 2, but we can't find a copy of it. Yeah, because there's never been a big master edition like with all the Civs in it. We have ones for each like individual one where it's got all of the DLCs or extras from Civ 3 forward. But yeah, Civ 1 and... We have um, Civilization Chronicles, which mm-hmm. came out before Civ 5. So that's well over 10 years ago now. And uh, it had Civ 1 and Civ 2 in it. But it didn't have any, like, updates to it. Like, there weren't any bug fixes. And uh, I suspect that part of the reason, the same reason, that they don't have the source code. Actually, I have uh, Civ Chronicles on my shelf right now. This is the cue for you guys to start talking about something else while I go look. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, what did we talk about? I don't know. Thrown on the spot, apparently. Well, there's the next topic you can talk about, and then I'll show, come back and answer the question. Oh, oh boy, monetization. It's all about togetherness, Mackie. That's that's the next topic. We need togetherness. Uh, it's a Sid Meier story, so it shouldn't be boring. It is? Wait a minute. I'm supposed to introduce that story, aren't I? No, I'm not. You are, Phil. Am I looking at the wrong thing? Uh, BBC News. Oh. Yeah, I have the wrong Google Doc up. Hang on. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> we are totally not professional. So, mm-hmm. what happened here? You're Why did it take me to 391? 391 was a little while ago. <laughs> Quite a while ago. What? Uh, 391, I think, was last summer. Yeah. Actually, it might have been last spring. Er. So, where's the actual topic list? Because I opened a bunch of stuff for this. Um, it's. Uh, do you not see number 404? It's in the. It's in the co-host. No, it's not. It's in the administration chat. Uh. Underneath so we can the get this to work properly again. Yeah, I must have had this up at some point because I like, actually looked at these. Okay, so uh, is this really a, a Sid Meier story? I mean, he is. It's the the Sid- article is titled uh, "He Warns the Games Industry About Monetization." So yeah, yeah, that's why it's relevant to this podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, we're <laughs> the the the, the three letter word NFT makes an appearance in this article, which. Uh, it tells you a lot about how out of touch some game companies are when it comes to stuff. But man, I don't know. I this article was also published on February twenty eighth. So yeah, and he does like in the article it says that he was he's warning people that they could lose their audience, and that's true. But at the same time, we're gonna see monetization in games like pretty much forever now. It's just a question of how it's being done. And the indie scene really showed up because of it kind of being egregious though so there's always going to be like some pushback against nonsense too uh, yeah i don't know i would like there to be no monetization you buy the game and you own the game but uh we don't have the leverage for that the younger generations take the worst deals and then we're stuck with the worst deals if we want to play the new game uh basically what it looks like sid is saying is uh remember that Gaming is not guaranteed to keep growing, especially if game companies start doing this kind of stuff that people don't like. Um, yeah, but that's standard market force stuff, right? Like, people will buy things if the value is higher to them than what they're giving up. The direct quote is, uh, there are a lot of ways people can spend their leisure time. I think the way the internet works, once a shift starts to happen, then everybody runs to that side of the ship. We need to be sure that our games continue to be high quality and fun to play. There are so many other forms of entertainment out there right now. We're in a good position, but we need to realize how critical the gameplay is and that how the engine, how it is the engine that keeps people playing happy and fun. Yeah, well, I agree with that. The gameplay should be the top priority for a game, yes. That is its purpose. I know we forget sometimes, right, Paradox? I should call out Hearts of Iron specifically, but yeah. I mean, Hearts of Iron. And what are the sales numbers on Hearts of Iron? They can't be great. It's performed pretty well overall, though. And that annoys me. And it also makes me a little less hopeful that the gaming companies or the wider internet will heed Sid's warning here. Because, frankly, if that's performing at a high level, like your standards are pretty low. And there's a lot of people who ratio me whenever I point out that these things are unacceptably bad. And we'll get a little bit into the... So some of that, but to a much lesser extent in Civ Six later as well. That's in that case, it's more pertinent to an upcoming topic. Yeah, 
Uh, what yeah, is, I don't what have it, a lot to say about monetization because we talk about it here and there throughout the show. Yeah. yeah. It seems more like he's he's trying to put the emphasis on the fact that you need a good gameplay design and it has to be fun for it to be a good game and for it to maintain popularity. And that the yes. the monetization should not be, okay, well, we make a game and we are focusing on the monetization so that people can buy whatever they want. And he says, basically, if your game isn't good enough without that, people aren't going to buy it, even if you have all that stuff. Yeah, well, that's like any product, really. Like, you can set the price at whatever, but if people aren't valuing it, then they won't get it. Because yeah, I play different games on my tablet, and some of them, the way they've set up their uh, monetization stuff, it's like, I'm willing to pay the price they're asking, but then some games want you to pay an arm and a leg or something. It's like, hell no, this isn't worth it. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Yeah, and it, it, we have the same sort of a thought process when it goes to even uh less obvious monetization like dlc and things like that if, not, if you're not adding a good enough value back to the game people aren't going to pick it up just because there's a reason yeah. why one of the civ 6 dlcs is among the lowest rated products on steam you want to go classically back let's talk about bethesda and horse armor oh yeah <laughs> oh well yeah <laughs> nobody liked that i mean now i think it's included when you buy whatever game of the year edition of oblivion but at the time when that came up people are like are you y'all joking what for a horse armor what you guys are not have phones <laughs> oh <laughs> wasn't quite that level of bad but yeah well i mean they're both memes at this point for a reason now. <laughs> yeah. the dlc yes. i was talking about was the viking scenario dlc anyone remembers that because when you bought Civ Six Deluxe, they said you get the first four DLC free. So the first DLC was a Civ. The second DLC was uh, the Vikings scenario DLC. And people were like, "What kind of uh, hokey bullcrap is this?" Because you know, if you're gonna give us a scenario, and like, I think there were also a couple of natural wonders in it, and that was it. Just like, yep. yeah, that's really a full price DLC when you compare it to, oh, we got a DLC with, uh, oh, I forget who the DLC civs are now. Yeah, but when you've built up a Viking scenario and the special natural wonders of the world, you could have thrown in an extra leader for Norway or somebody or. Yeah. Also, if you've ever played the Norway scenario, it's not that great. I have not played it. <laughs> None of the scenarios in the DLC are particularly awesome. I mean, they're fun for an afternoon, but... Yeah, but the price they want for most of those is not just for an afternoon of fun. You're not going to get that full afternoon out of it. I don't know. It's worth about a dollar on minimum wage, <laughs> or an hour on minimum wage. Actually, depending on where you are, it could be more than that, but... Or less it might than only that. be half an hour if you're in a good spot. Well, I know here that the minimum wage is the federal minimum wage, and you, until this year, you didn't have any problems living on that, but... Times are a-changing. Oh, please, I don't want inflation as a civ mechanic. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't I, think that will be added. I imagine there'd be some salt over it. <laughs> I suspect that coalition and alliance mechanics will be added in Civ 7. I don't think there will be an inflation mechanic. Well, we've had alliances on and off throughout the civs. I guess Civ 2 had something like a coalition? I mean, up until very recently, there hasn't been a lot of, like... Like, yeah, NATO has existed, but it's not been a big point in our lives. Like, the fact that all of Europe, or that most of Europe was in a coalition with, with the U.S. and Canada was not a major 
news. No, I'm just thinking item. about the old Civ mechanic. Like, I think Civ 2 had something like it. Where you could ally each other and have, like, a coalition. Or the AI would make coalitions against you or something. Like, it reacted when you started conquering it. Maybe I'm misremembering that, or it was, like, uh, like extra content or something. But I do remember something along those lines. Um... But, of course, most of my association with coalitions comes from EU4, and to a lesser extent, CK2. Civ 6 technically has coalitions, but they're not like alliances. They're just, oh, there's an emergency happening, we'll all get together, and that's technically a coalition. But Yeah, that's true. Uh, looking at the list of Civs, Civ 2... Uh, Civ 4 had defensive packs and permanent alliances. Uh, which yeah. Defensive packs were also like not really coalitions, but they were pseudo-functional in that capacity. They could basically become a coalition if you just had like five people. Yeah, if everyone signed a defensive pact with everyone else. That's a lot like the CK2 variant of it. Let's see, we have difficulty level, espionage, food, gold, high council, luxuries, Odeo year, which I think is what? I don't. I actually don't know that term. Is a special year occurring in Civ 2 where periods of anarchy come to an end and players are permitted to choose a new form of government. It occurs every fourth turn, regardless of the number of in-game years this involves. Barbarians are spawned on every 16-turn cycle, which happens to be every fourth Odeo year. Oedo year. Hmm. I'm saying that wrong. Yeah, I remember something like this, but... Oh, it's called that because Apolitan poster Odeo noted that there were periods of anarchy. <laughs> every, four, every four years during periods of anarchy, um, they would start stop, and then there would be a new government. <laughs> Today we learned about Civ. That happened in the year 2000, so... Well after Civ 3 was out. I see. But anyway, I think we've lost the plot here. What's the actual topic? Monetization. Don't make it the focus of your game. Make the game the focus of your game and it'll sell itself. Yeah, make a good game first, please. And then then we can talk about valuation of it. <laughs> but if, it, if it's not a good game, it's not valuable. I mean... And people will act otherwise. <laughs> I actually know people in real life who now have decided... Or not in real life, but in uh, my personal friend groups that actually use the DLC subscription service that Paradox uses on EU4 because it's so expensive to get all the DLC. That is a bad monetization method. I don't know. Like, is a subscription service really worse than what they had previously, where your barrier to entry if you pick up the game late is like $200, unless you get it on sale, where it's like still close to 100 I'm going to be honest. For a game like EU4 that is now approaching 10 years old, I think if the DLC came out more than three years ago, it should just be rolled into the game. I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, when you have something that lasts that long, it feels like every year or two they should be rolling in whatever, like, they wouldn't want to put, like, the most, like, the last two or three, like, the last two, at least, most recent DLC, but anything before that could be rolled into the base game. Because if somebody comes in and only buys base EU4 and then they look at stuff on forums, they have no idea what people are talking about because something uh, things have been patched into the, even the base game. You know, some of the functionality from the DLCs. So, like, why not give them at least a head start and then you can still sell them on the other two DLC? But it's like they're trying to... What's the phrase? Blood from a turnip there? Huh? Oh, yeah. Um, I guess uh, I'm thinking, what what features from Conquest of Paradise still exist in eu4 unchanged they've been changed for sure but they're still yeah. there like for instance uh here are the things that um are added to conquest of paradise as expansion features 
play as a colonial nation mechanics for tribal nations in north america actually that first one you mentioned is unchanged (laughs) yeah that's the only thing and the other is a random new world generator which uh the native algorithm for that's been altered but it still does the same thing it did when you got it well the random new world has been majorly reworked in 1.14 which i believe was also another dlc but all of this stuff is in the base game like those are the only expansion features there's a whole list of free features why is this still on sale yeah good question and an even bigger question if i were to go to the steam page for conquest of paradise it's 15 dollars. why is it still full price the best part is that there's a bug in it now too because of the, when they reworked how federations work they introduced a bug that's still running uh, in the game at the moment oh boy that's the one where federations can steal land from colonial nations when they form the federation because there's no check that the tribal land in question is actually held by members of the federation. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. So they like just steal land. Quick, someone tell spiffing Brit. See what he does well, with it. Anybody who's halfway decent wouldn't have lost the land in the first place. But the problem there is that a lot of players will now complain that the natives are quote unquote too strong uh, because even the AI can take land when it doesn't need to fight for it and that does result in them getting access to institutions and other stuff that the AI would normally wouldn't and changes the power progression of the new world significantly unless you as the colonizer are aware of this and play around it so yeah it's a, it's a significant bug for sure i don't know like subscription models kind of bother me because they're not permanent access to the game and like i i prefer to purchase the game and own it however like yeah, MMOs have run uh, subscription models for decades now, and some of them have been very successful slash adored for long periods of time before eventually falling off. So I, eh, it's not my preference, but it's not like it's invalid as long as what you're charging is consistent to what you're providing in terms of value to the people getting it. I think $5 and, well, a month if you've never played a U4 and you just bought the game is much, much better than the... Uh, what's the current cost for all DLC in... EU4 without a sale? Let's take a look. It's it's well over 100. It is... Uh, like, you'd you... have to play the game like, religiously for years and years to get... <laughs> the ultimate bundle at 10% off is $393.87. Okay, yeah. So the subscription is just strictly better compared to that. But then, like you said, some of that stuff is at this point overpriced or doesn't make sense that it's still being charged at all. So is the subscription model better or the DLC model better? It really depends how you're charging and what you're charging for. I think we can just just, uh, agree that Paradox is annoying. Yes, well, that's nothing new. For many various reasons. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, they leaked our game and discovered that it's not good. Well, sucks to be you now. <laughs> and uh, you said leaked our game. You made me think of the War Thunder stuff, where people like leak actual military stuff to try to prove people wrong about their tanks and stuff. <laughs> oh, Amazing. oh my gosh, the real life tank things. Oh my god, that was yeah. hilarious. I think that's happened three <laughs> times now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, sir, you are wrong about this tank, and I'm going to prove these classified documents have. <laughs> oh boy also we can Amazing. lift we can lift our boycott on um 
War Thunder because it is no longer a Russian company. It is an international company based in Cyprus. Boycott. I never put money into that game in the first place. No matter who owns it. Oh, I was also, we had a boycott? Well, just generally. Yeah, I wasn't aware either. You guys played it. I I played it briefly. I don't, but, um, well, I uh, am less friendly to Russian companies right now, but that's not really their fault, so. Next topic. Next topic. Hey, multiplayer, since we were sort of ish talking about that, but so over on YouTube, what's his username? Fileplume? Can find the thing again. Oh, shoot. I don't have that page open. What the heck happened? No, Veilfisk. I'm sorry. I don't know where I got the other name from, but plays a lot of different games. Uh, decided to start, pulled in some people from Discord. Yeah, we're going to play Civ 6. We're going to, you know, so. One, it's already an eight-player multiplayer game, which, uh, as I can tell you from our regular Saturday game with the guys, uh, yeah, that it, you, certain sizes of map are not happy. Even though it's technically supported, it's still not happy with this many people in multiplayer. <clears throat> I don't think they had AI in here. I think it was just <clears throat> all of them against each other. But, of well. course, they spent the first, like, 16 minutes of their thing having the exact same problems that we've had sometimes when we try to do larger games trying to get everybody connected because you'll get like eight, like seven out of eight players connected and then somebody gets dropped or the game loses connection and that i you know all sorts of all sorts of shenanigans probably it's not just us you know it makes me feel better but you know just because we want to make this even more painful hey let's play on marathon let's set all these settings to maximum oh by the way we're going to do a five second turn timer it does not matter what speed you set it on a five second turn timer is going to be pain as everybody found out, it's like, oops, I want to declare war on this person. I can't even get through the diplomacy screen in five seconds. Speaking of unacceptable, <laughs> like, the, although the settings in this game are ridiculous, uh, numerous things in that video were pretty good evidence of poor quality, in my opinion. Yeah. Starting with the fact that in you know post-2020, a fairly large budget game cannot manage to connect a decent number of multiplayer people together. That is absurd to me. Just absurd. Like, I, I don't think that's acceptable that we SIF 4 could manage it. Like games from the early two thousands could manage it. There are games in the nineties that could, although there weren't very many, like the fact that we cannot get eight people into a game and expect to complete it in a reasonable time frame is just nuts. Oh well, yeah. And that's before we, we go into trying to hit any win conditions by the players and stuff like that. Uh, and there's yeah. other things here. They can't even fight off hardly barbarians because it takes more than five seconds to move all your troops. Yeah. And like to some degree, like Civ just wasn't intended to be played at such high speeds. On the other hand, the fact that you can't do some of these basic tasks as the only thing you're trying to do within five seconds is egregious. Uh, the fact that it's not possible UI wise to open up a Diplo screen and make a deal you know you want to make in under five seconds is stupid. That's unacceptably terrible UI. Now, yes, Paradox's UI is worse, uh, much worse <laughs> in the case of Hoi 4. But this is a bad UI uh, in Civ 6. And the UI is a big part of the reason. I don't play 5 or 6 the way I used to play Civ 4. The UI is just that much worse. 
And man, does this video do a good job of showcasing it, because these are all things you should be able to do in five seconds if it's the only thing you're trying to do. I was like, can we send this to Ferraxis and say, you see everything that's wrong in here? This is the things you need to fix. We might need to well, give them an just annotated say that's not intended to play this way. Yes. Like, okay, uh, if they make it possible to have a five second turn timer, that means the game should be playable at that speed. So to say that the game is not meant to be played this way, I think is a cop out, because... If they if it wasn't meant to be played this way, they would have stopped us from playing this way. Yeah, there would be a minimum too. like a thirty second turn timer or something like that, which I think is the minimum in multiplayer actually. Or it's no, it may not be. Maybe a little bit. Well, no, wait, right stuff. They just yeah, they just played a five second turn timer. But by default, without you fiddling with it much, it defaults to something like uh, give the dynamic turn timer and it adds the more time. They already need to put in a dynamic turn timer that you are going to need more time as you go on. So why is this? Was that in there for giggles? Were they doing speed runs trying to test things and they just left it in there? I I don't know. What it comes down to, I think, is for the UI, it's very pretty. It just doesn't work well. And it needs to work before it's pretty. Yeah. Like, I like the, the design aesthetic of mm. Age of Exploration because it does look really nice. But you can't let that overrule things like hey, can I set all my cities to do one thing? Or can I uh, do you move my units fast enough that I can uh, respond to something happening within a certain amount of time? The, why the, is there a delay between player input? Act? Like, that's just why. Especially if you turn off animations. What is the justification that it, it, you cannot move, like, three units in four seconds? Also, the, why, There's no reason, absent animations delaying you, that, you, that that's physically impossible. Why do we have to have animations even if we turn it on to no animations mode? Yeah, that's true too. I mean, Civ 5 didn't have animations and we were fine with that. Um, well, I guess Civ 5 did have animations, but it but you always turned them off because turning them off actually turned them off. Yeah. Although Civ 5 had very uh, very significant optimization issues as well. And man, like the inconsistent input buffering there was really frustrating. That's in Civ 6 as well. I I hate inconsistent input buffering. Yeah, I It's love like you start that. trusting it, then you get taught that you can't trust it. And so like now you're waiting to see if you're if the game actually took your orders or not, rather than like playing the game. You're waiting to see if the game did something that you told it to do first, and then you can continue playing the game. And when that's happening like, you know, 30 times a turn or something and you're on a timer, that feels really bad. Yeah, and it doesn't matter whether it's the co-op or competitive multiplayer. You don't want that lag in there because it also extends all the turns and extends the playtime. And you, yeah, yeah, it's just not conducive to fun. That's another thing too. Like if you're playing under a timer and you give an order and you move away after giving the order, you've confirmed that you've given the order. Having it not go through is such a uh, that that's very frustrating. But also, yeah. like you lose time now because now you can't trust it. Now you have to stay there and watch. Now you lose a couple seconds for every input you do to make sure that your input actually counted. And yeah, I know latency is a thing, but like we're not playing on like four second latency. Like this, we're not playing on old school satellite uplinks. Okay, we're 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 dial up. Well, once upon yes. a time, one of us was, but that was uh, a couple of years yeah. ago now. <laughs> yeah, but even so, with that, it still wasn't that bad. I mean, we're talking everybody has only like double digit ping at most so it's not like that yeah. when i used to play online games with 300 ping and like other games manage this just fine right like yeah. you, you can boot up a game of league of legends or like go back to the warcraft 3 battle.net days and yeah. you would have like 10 people doing inputs in a game just fine uh and if, if you're not doing like a moba then you would have like 
you know, APM between all the players, probably, you know, thousands of inputs, uh, if you count everybody in the game, and they can handle that. And Civ Civ can't handle a half dozen of us slowly clicking every couple of seconds. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah. Now, there might be engine choices that lead to that being difficult, but then why make those choices? I really disagree with that at the core design level of the game, because it goes back to, like, make the good game first. And then then build how it looks. I do know that they build their own, like, game engine every time they make a Civ game. So it may be that their engine is just not optimal enough. But that's still no excuse, because... They're still making it do something that it doesn't need to do when it comes to moving a unit. Like, having the unit's location on this point on the map versus that point of the map is something that games have done for, like, 30-plus years. And why am I still getting these kind of input lags in single player? Like, is the game taking up that much of a chunk of resources? It can't, not quite instantly, but with a very small lag, produce me going click, 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 click. I mean... Yeah, there's something going on there that's weird with the engine, for sure. I could go and, like, pull up, like, one of my old software engineering slash programming textbooks, and and, um, if I still have them, I may have given them back to the school, but if... There are ways that you can go through code like or games like this and figure out what is causing these problems. Um, a lot of times there will be times where we're losing seconds in in um, initiation and we're losing seconds in um, functions, and then we don't stop and think about how that might be a problem, and then it builds up over time. Which is probably what happened here is that. They just have too many things going at once and everything is built into how everything moves and it's just too many end of turn, start of turn checks or something. Or more likely too many uh, on player click actions mm. yeah, or on play on player drag actions or something, because under under uh, normal circumstances, it should not be difficult to tell a unit on a grid to move one tile. Because there's only so many checks you would need to do if you're moving a unit. But if you're going through every check on every move, and it's not just the moves that the player makes, but the moves that the AI makes, can very quickly snowball. But if you haven't watched the video, the video is quite funny. It does end. They do do actually reach a victory condition. Uh, At one point, the video devolves into a Counter-Strike game, um, because one of them starts playing Counter-Strike halfway through. And they're playing chess against each other while we're playing chess to go through, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which I admit I've done that on uh, when playing Dominions with my nephews. Dominions is a significantly harder game, though. Well, it's slower, and you know some of them are still learning. So, like, someone will finish a turn, and now there's a lot of time to make moves in chess. So, yeah, rather than like five seconds. (laughs) Oh, does Dominions not have um, simultaneous turns? It does, but like if two of us finish and the other person is still trying to figure out the game and it's going to be like another 10 minutes, uh-huh. uh, there's some time for chess. <laughs> and yeah, that, that I have told multiple people that like being getting to a decent level of knowledge in Dominions is kind of like taking a multiple credit hour college course. It's uh, not a small investment to attain the knowledge. So like people who are learning will take longer turns. It's just a matter of reality. So yeah, now we have a, a new way to play our weekend multiplayer games. Marathon with <laughs> five-second five timer. Second oh, oh, I don't even think Grim could do five-second turn timer. I don't think anybody can, effectively. <laughs> I think that video proved it. Yeah. yeah, the game's engine just holds you up too much. 
I have an RTS background. I was pretty good at StarCraft 2 for a little bit. Not like amazing, but pretty good. You'd probably probably handle it okay if if we weren't gated by the game. I mean, our game, oh, yeah. our games always have a lot of people from disparate parts of the West. Like we have somebody in Denmark and somebody in France and two yeah. people in Canada usually. And then a couple of us in the U.S. And in different points, we've had Australians and Californians yeah. and yeah, the pretty big spread of distances involved. So at minimum, point. you're going to get pretty stupid latency, like even if the connections are otherwise perfect. I think for a while somebody was playing from korea right yeah yes yeah. yes that is true but korea has super good internet so but it's, yeah, it's, it's probably, still on the other it's side probably of the globe a better connection than australia but yeah it's not you're you're still gonna get high latency there's nothing they could do i mean even fiber optic can only move two-thirds the speed of light yeah yeah but, but the point being is despite all of that despite having players spread around the world in one game maybe being hosted either in the u.s or canada it's not been the lag that's gotten us. It's been the game being slow. Yeah. And it's far beyond anybody's lag that we're having problems. And that was true for five and six. Back in four, we didn't have, I don't think, four was great with multiplayer. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we had permanent alliances for ending the games <laughs> uh, in vassal states to like to uh, just end the game and see the end screen. But yeah, more importantly, we could put like 10 people in a game and it would function. Now, we'd usually split it up, but we did have games where with like eight people and not only would it function, but we could expect to finish those games in two to three hours and sometimes get a second in in an evening. Like, that's just not a thing in Civ 6. Civ, 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 yeah, Civ 5 even you might could start a second, but Civ 6 has been a one game only since the start. Civ 5 was, as I remember it, for the period that I was playing with um, you guys, because I wasn't there the whole time, but... You would start out with, like, if you had three people in the game, easy two game night. If you had four people in the game, it was a maybe. If it was a five people in the game, there was no chance of a second game. And it, yeah. it all came down to the number of people in the game and how stable it was with those players. Because at some point it would just start dragging and dragging and dragging. And it was, it, it was the game, not us. Yeah, and Civ 5 got better over time in terms of its stability. Because when it first dropped, like we just kept playing Civ 4 because it was not functional. Like objectively, you could not progress in a game and like expect to complete 50 turns without everything just dying in a fire. Uh, uh, but yeah. by like by the end of it, uh, it was very much like described here, where like you could reasonably expect to complete two games with three people in an evening. If your map was too big, you might have a problem with every time somebody took a a, a city, there would be a desync. Yeah, so, I don't understand that either. Why is this so hard in modern Civ games? We could play on huge in Civ 4, like nothing. And there were more cities. The, like the city spacing rules were uh, more lax. Like you could put them closer together in Civ 4 than future Civ games. So it was like not uncommon to be managing 30 to 50 cities uh, by the end of those for like the players who were in the lead. And like it could still run that. Like, Why is this so hard now? What, what are they doing with their engine? It's ridiculous. I don't know. I can only assume it's just generational overweight in that they have so many, maybe they have such stuff that I don't know. You would think that the games would get better as programming languages get better, but I think they're still programming in C++, which is really good for if you want to make something really, really, really efficient, but that doesn't seem to be, that does not seem to be the focus here. So even if it runs in C sharp with a virtual machine at the back, it probably wouldn't do that much worse in terms of 
I don't know. I haven't. I don't have that much experience with C plus plus and C sharp. So. They're probably asking the game to to check things unnecessarily or do processes unnecessarily. And they may have not had enough time in the develop initial development cycle to go back and look for those inefficiencies. They may have been pushed to get it out too. That's the other thing with modern development. Yeah, although a lot of that comes down to design. Uh, the lead dev of E4 was actually talking about it. Like they're not adding more provinces because the way they initially set up the engine was just like there's too many things calculated every single day at the province level. So every time you add more provinces, you're just adding a ridiculous number of extra checks to the game, like more so than the number of AI tags in the world, which is also huge. So you have a lot of different AI scripts running in parallel. But even compared to that, the just the province count has more computations. Now, from a design perspective, was that necessary? Did you really need to have everything being calculated daily at the province level? Probably not. You could probably get pretty similar decisions being made by the player by designing those considerations a little differently. Uh, but you would have had to either do that right from the beginning or rework the game uh, to uh, to change how it's approaching things at the province level. And I bet it's the same thing in Civ Six, where like additional cities or it, you're checking tiles, uh, hexes on the map all over the place in for pathing or some stupid crap that's like not being optimized and so it's it just lags it down but yeah i don't i haven't actually seen anybody comment on why exactly the modern civ games are slow it doesn't seem like we have the same level of uh, technological experience in the game forums that we used to years and years ago because it doesn't seem like <laughs> it doesn't seem like a lot of people are around doing the kind of deep analyses on such levels as we saw in previous games. I mean, that's true, but that, like, that was always like one or two guys. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're all retired or not playing Civ anymore. So. <laughs> but, it's but not like were... we just had like, you know, 30 programmers on hand on Civ Fanatics back in the Civ 4 days. There's like one guy who would like code dive the stuff and like teach us all. <laughs> I know in Civ 6, we don't have the DLL and that doesn't help, but yeah. Uh, that's true too. Didn't di- didn't aren't there at least a few cases where people would like deep dive and just run simulations over and over to get the answers? Yeah, trying to figure out some of the rules, the the, the way the game decided to do things and stuff. Yeah, like but, I know that at least one person got a job at Firaxis because they figured out the corruption system in Civ Three or maybe Civ Two. Well, that may be the other problem is that the people are getting hired by not necessarily just for Rex, but other developers, and then they don't have the time to sit there and run all these deep simulations anymore. And it was yeah. only ever a handful of people that were super, super into the game code like that. So I have a feeling that's why UI is bad, too. They're like they're having people do it where it's not their expertise, and so they don't think about everything. Well, I know that Firaxis had a UX designer position available for the entire time Civ 6 was on development, so yeah, I'm sure that didn't help. But like you still need to have a UI ultimately in the game, so someone puts that in, even if it's not their thing, and then it's not as good. I guess uh, strategy just doesn't hire them like other game companies do. And the irony is that when Civ Six first came out, there was actually talk of it being an e uh, strat an esport. Yeah, not well, with this interface. I mean, it would be really cool ish, but you gotta actually put some effort into streamlining and doing it properly. If you want a game to become popular esports, yeah, there's a lot of barriers to a game like Civ going into esports or the Paradox games. Like the like the premise of the game is already a barrier, so anything else in addition to that is just going to make it worse. 
there's not a whole lot of interest in slow map map games in yeah. esports. Yeah, generally not. Although it would be fascinating to watch the people who can do pre sixteen hundred World Conquest go up against each other with a time constraint. Well, we've got we've got the Civ World Cup. Yeah, they do have tournaments. It's just they're not. They're yeah, all... but it's not going to like draw esports levels. Of yeah, attention. they're, they're yeah. not. They're not. You don't win like a ten thousand dollar prize or anything. But we have our own nerd categories. Yeah, Civ nerds. That's all of us. If we weren't Civ nerds, would we be doing a podcast after 404 episodes? Spending well, our Saturday afternoons twice a, twice a month, every day, for however many years? Well, I, I mean, it would be great if we could do a lot less of, can you please fix this? <laughs> I mean, yeah. for Axis, we love you, but oh, geez. I think we spend a lot, of t- a lot more time than we used to going over, can you fix this? Or this is broken, and oh. It seems like with Civ Six, after they stopped edit, stopped working on it, is when it got to the point where we were just like, you know, guys, we love your game. It's great. Could you fix the problems that make it unplayable? Nope. You can even have game without people desyncing just once. We we don't like your launcher, but we understand that that's probably imposed upon you by Two K. Oh, by the way, there was another 2K launcher update on Civ 6, which (laughs) made me really happy when I saw the Civ 6 update, and then it was another freaking 2K update. And then, less than a week later... As soon as I saw the size of the update, I'm like, yeah, I know what this is, and I'm not interested. It gets better, it gets better. (laughs) And then... Uh, because the 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 update had the same uh, patch notes as the previous update. Improved launcher, improved launcher. Yeah, yeah, big do. And then the the within a week there was another update, and it was Patcher Hotfix, <laughs> and it just said fixed an error with previous launcher update. It's like because it was not letting people on the Steam Deck play the games. Oh wow, guys! I mean that was on the 2K and not for Rexus, but still, oh wow. Maybe you don't push the update to your launcher till you know that it works. You test, you know. Maybe you Steam don't need a launcher. Things. Well, yes, there's that, but the companies are never going to accept that because how how else can they put more ads in your face? I mean, I didn't like the fact Steam, that they Steam put page. Yeah. Or if they if they're really going to want to be cretins about it, they just put it in game, right? I mean, we've already seen that. They did that in Civ <laughs> Five, and it wasn't terrible. It's better than having a launcher. Yeah. I liked how they gave the go beyond Earth button at the end of Civ 5 when you got a space victory. That was a very clever way to advertise a new game. Yeah. Because you only saw it if you won the game that way, and it wasn't obtrusive, it was just a button. Or like cameos and references to your other games within the game are also... Oh yeah, the XCOM the, the, the unit. Back all the yes. Way. <laughs> the XCOM unit made me smile so much. Yes. And it shouldn't have because it was a blatant rip or blatant crossover, but who cares? That's the best way to do advertising is when you do it so subtly that it's still fun. Well, it doesn't even have to be subtle. You're just doing it like that. It's yeah, better that- when it's subtle though because if it's subtle, you don't recognize it until it's already happened and then you're like, "Oh, that's cool." The best way to be advertised to is to be advertised to in such a way that you don't realize you're being advertised to. And I think that's true for both the advertiser and the advertisee, because the advertisee feels less distro- less annoyed, and the advertiser gets better um, mind think. You feel pleasantly inclined to them instead of gritting your teeth and going every time you see their ads. Instead of like, oh, hey, look, the ad came on. That's just, I, I-, I will tell a story about this advertisement 
on the local radio station where I live. And this was on the air for at least two or three years. And it was awful. Here's the story. It's a, um, a, it's like, it is a uh, chair upholstery and like mattress repair company that just refills your your couch cushions when they're too flat. And uh, the way they decided to advertise their thing was, you know, the truck reverse beep when you're trying to back up a truck. Seven of those in a row with no context for like 15 seconds and you have no idea what's going on and then it goes help i've fallen i can't get up and then it starts talking about refilling your couch cushions and three years and the beeps were always louder than everything else on the entire channel including lightning strikes i never ever want to hear that company's name again Uh, ads being unnecessarily loud is also a problem generally like, they're, like, way louder than the surrounding stuff. Well, our government finally did decide to make that illegal. And it's mostly worked. <laughs> yes, mostly. Well, they, they it doesn't happen nearly as much as it does. Because I, I grew up and spent most of my 20s living with my grandparents, one of whom is very deaf. So they would have the TV on loud enough to be heard everywhere in the house. So... You end up with this situation where, oh, there's a really loud commercial on this TV that's turned up to like seven eighths of the max volume. Yeah. I prefer I would prefer a jackhammer outside the door. But anyway, we should probably move on to the next topic. Otherwise, we're going to be here forever talking about weird stuff. Or we could not talk about it and talk about it next time. Oh, that's up to you guys. But weren't you the one introducing the next topic? Am I? Oh, yeah, I we, were so. gonna, we were going to do it together because you have opinions about it. But I haven't introduced anything since FreeCiv. Okay, so uh, about a month and a half ago, Filthy Robot and Soren Johnson shared a two-hour stream where they talked about game design and um, Old World and Civ 4 in particular. And it was a two-hour video, which you don't usually get that much time to talk to a lead designer of a video game. And uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff in that. Uh, I think some of the most interesting things were Soren seems like he's right about a lot of things, like a lot of the fundamentals, but then some of his ideas for solving some of the problems were a little bit bizarre. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just a personal taste thing or a um, experience thing, because I'm not a game designer, so I wouldn't know what the best way to solve some questions are. But Well, there's a question of experience in game design versus experience in the game in question. Uh, a significant portion of that uh, interview... Uh, can't, wound up being some specific examples in the game where Filthy had to explain to Soren the consequences of the choices as they were presented in the game in terms of how they affected player decision making and what they do. I did catch that. The the idea that the way that the design was put together um, meant that certain features didn't have any effect on what they, they were supposed to and vice versa. Or you just never pick something because the other thing is always better reliably. I think the biggest example was they were talking about whether the the movement order system had any effect on um, a- a- attack or defense priority. <laughs> and um, the the filthy was basically like it has almost no effect on it because it doesn't matter. The order system doesn't have any effect on the way defense works in the game. 
because it's all there's no way to defend yourself in any way. So it all comes down to can you kill as many units as you can per turn before the your units get killed and the first one to lose by attrition win loses. Yeah. Which um seems like I don't know, it, it seems like Well, it seemed like that wasn't what Sorn was shooting for, but he also wasn't aware that that was what was going on at uh, decent levels of play. Like, he didn't design for it to be like, you you can only attack functionally. That's just how the game played. It's weird. Uh, I can kind of see this. That's not uncommon in games, that players find things or interactions or find a meta because of the game mechanics that the developers didn't envision. Because the developers envisioned playing the game one kind of way, then tried to design the game for that. But the actual mechanical details imply different actions than what was envisioned. It's not and just then games And you that have do some that. disconnects. Yeah, Basically, any I mean, type of art will do that as well. Yeah, although you don't have the, you don't necessarily have as many uh, steps between the person designing it and the end product. Like it's easier to happen in games than some other things. I know that I've given some of my writing to other people to read, and they pulled things from it that I hadn't even noticed. So. Yeah. I, it's always a humbling experience giving something you've written or something you've spent months on to somebody else. And they're like, OK, so this is what I see. And it's completely different than what you were expecting. But at least in your case, like you're the one who still put the words onto the paper or screen or whatever. Yeah. Rather than saying, OK, this is how I want this mechanic to work. Program it in you know, like these components, you program in these components and try to balance the numbers around this goal. Like now you're involving multiple people who have communication with each other, but not perfect communication with each other. And then they also, you know, they're going to have different ideas of how the end users will interact with the choices being made. Uh, so it's very common in games that the, the players get far out in front of the developers in terms of what they're doing in the game and the level at which they can play it. What's interesting is it seems like Soren actually does play a lot of multiplayer with the players. Like, yeah. he talked about how he does go in and play a lot of games with those guys. So he at least has some idea of how it goes. Yeah. But I pointed this out elsewhere, too. Like, there, there are differences in skill and in time investment for both making the game and playing the game. And it's rare that you're equally good at both. And especially rare that you're equally, like, you're good at both and still equally good. We don't have enough game designers who are also game savants or whatever it's hard like <laughs> they're different skill sets uh sometimes they're vastly different skill sets depending on what the game you're talking about is like the person who draws the art for or the person who implements the engine for a game like gears of war is like none, none of those actions have anything to do with being good at playing the game like the skills you need to be good at the game just are, are completely irrelevant and vice versa like you're going to need aim, you're going to need awareness both to visual and audio. But like you don't need that to draw a gun, and you definitely don't need that to like make the gravity function the way you want it to function or something. The specification, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad to know he is getting in there and playing it, so he gets an idea of it, even if he's not the savant level. Because there's plenty of developers, yeah. I think, who don't play their games and don't realize they have this idea up here in their head of this great design principle and they don't realize how it works out in real life in the game and that was a big difference in civ force design uh, compared to its uh, successors yeah it's very clear that uh civ 5 and civ 6 are not built the same way because they're not as focused on multiplayer because soren again said that he built civ 4 with multiplayer 
as the base game state. And he said the same about Old World. Yeah. Well, you want your game incentives to align uh, with the choices you want the players to make. And I still don't agree with his choice for making the AI like a set piece rather than another player agent. However, if you're going to design the mechanics in the first place, it's definitely you want incentives that are aligned to winning your game, not something else. And that's something that has not been done since Civ 4. And he definitely did that, at least in Civ 4. Of course, none of these were particularly balanced for truly competitive MP or whatever. I don't think that was ever the, the goal to make like all the stars fair. You can with uh, tailor-made yeah, they, maps and stuff. They weren't trying to set up for an eSport. Yeah. Know? They were just trying to make a fun, not necessarily entirely balanced, because there's all because even the Hall of Fame games have to ban some CIS because they're OP still. It's well, only for some formats. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Am I some sibs? You mean Inca? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, usually, what color Inca are you? Usually just Inca. I uh, sort of subscribe to the idea that game balance is kind of not always the goal, but yeah, it all depends what you're be going the goal. for. I mean, you could have a perfectly balanced game, but it could be boring as heck. Anybody... You do need uh, you, you need the choices being made in the game to be interesting, or like there are there are meaningful choices like you will sometimes pick one option versus the another based on the game state if that's not being accomplished then your balance is so off kilter that it is actually detracting from the experience because now like you don't need to think anymore you just do the same thing all the time that's when it becomes a problem like if you have some imbalances it's not going to kill the game games have been imbalanced since they were being made pretty much there's a school of thought that a lot of the um like rts games are now so focused on balance that it ruins them. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I don't either. I'm just starting to tend more that way in my thinking. Because, like, they, they would just tweak some numbers and it affects win rate. And, okay. Like, that, that means so little to, like, a random person playing through the campaign who gets access to units that aren't even in the competitive multiplayer scene or something, like in StarCraft 2. Like, I don't think StarCraft 2 emphasizing balance would ruin it. I don't think other, like, I don't think that's a thing. Like, I guess if you tried to, like, homogenize all the units such that your factions aren't meaningfully different from each other or something, okay, then you can make a case that balance is detracting from the experience. But otherwise, I doubt it. Because as long as they're, like, even in the ballpark of each other, you just tweak some numbers. And how is that negatively impacting the player's experience if, like, the unit does, like, 10 damage rather than 7 or something? And sometimes broken things are fun to play. It's not balanced, but it's fun. Yeah, that's true, too. One of the the discre- not usually in PvP, but no, uh, not in PvP be. usually, but yeah, yeah, co-op or in the campaign or just doing solo play or stuff. Yeah, there's sometimes we're exploiting things as heck. It's just a lot of fun, but you wouldn't. I understand you wouldn't want it if you were trying to be competitive or balanced. Well, the, the, there's games like uh, the Just Cause mods where you're playing multiplayer in a game that was not meant for multiplayer, and uh, it is not. It is balanced in and of the sense that you can be killed by anybody and you can steal anything. But other than that, people will go around with much better weapons than other people and it's not balanced at all. But it's still super fun. As long yeah. as you're not streaming it, then it's just awful. <laughs> Which is a shame because it's fun to watch those streams, but then the streamer gets hit by people flying in from airplanes and causing explosions. Oh, because somebody, when it's, it's live stream, somebody always wants to be that guy and be the one, oh, I killed the streaming guy. Yeah. I want to get my name on the screen as he'll, killing you or whatever. Yeah. Like, can't humanity just be populated with not dicks? Nope. Nope. Sorry. 
We didn't even have to invent tools to start being dicks of each other. You only do invent rocks. Okay, Kane. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. Or maybe I should make a joke how the fists are certified weapons. Uh, or maybe I should make us all get out. That's option. Okay, imagine. All right, then. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to be imagine? <laughs> Otherwise, thank you for getting 404 with us on our delayed episode 404. I've been the main team, joined by Canis Alvinus. How hard could it possibly be to screw a uh, screw into a stud in a wall. Turns out, it's not that easy. And Makalua. Podcast found, coffee found, fun found. Stop stripping your screws. I, 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 <laughs> I wish I Drill. could. They're like, I think the problem is they're made of brass. Drill a pilot hole. You just need to apply more force to the screw as you drill well, it in. The other problem is now I can't get the screw out of the hole because there's nothing to grab onto. Flyers. Oh boy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't know if I have any pliers. I already had to go and buy drill bits yesterday because I couldn't find the the ones that I had searched everywhere in this house. It's not fun, but you can definitely get screws like that out with pliers, unless they're like almost all the way in. It's about halfway in. Yeah. And all the things pliers. I'm doing, I'm just trying to put up things for my cat to walk on above the ground because I'm a nice owner or something. You can walk on you. She tries to. Are we still recording, by the way? Yes. And yes, that's all going in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? It'll entertain the viewers. Nice outro. I guess I gotta find the pliers. Yep. You don't have to do anything. I found the pliers. They're needle nose, so that might make it harder, but... That should still be doable. As long as it can grip it and you can hold them together with force enough and yoink. Like, the, the way that this was supposed to be installed was you're supposed to put them in like a yellow um, drywall screw that is supposed to, like, when you screw it in, it's supposed to split at the sides so that you can actually hold it into the drywall. But it's supposed to hold up a 10-pound cat, so I don't know if that's safe. So I decided to just screw it into the um, studs, and then it didn't work. So now I've got several holes in my wall that i got to figure out what to do with, and it still isn't on the wall. Should have just used toggle bolts with the drywall. Toggle bolt. It, uh, the way it braces then the drywall distributes the force, so the drywall is less likely to fail if you just hang something off the drywall. This is also you, a 40-year-old house. Yeah, even so, though, like you can get toggle bolts that are rated to fairly high weights. Because um, we had metal studs when I was trying to hang a TV uh, for my brother. We were like, trying to do like install that so that a bunch of students could look at images being done, like imaging, without all having to huddle over like a tiny computer monitor. So we hung a TV off of chains, a fairly large one, uh, on a couple toggle bolts. That was the uh, solution we came up with. I think it was actually Majin or somebody, I think it was Majin, who suggested that way back in the day. So Majin is kind of a mechanical genius. Yeah, but uh, that, that certainly worked. And your cat is much, much, much lighter than that television, so... Yeah, she's only about 10 pounds. Like, it was legit hard, although we could do it for the two of us to lift that thing. Like, it was... More so that it was bulky than the sheer weight, but still, like, yeah, way, way heavier than a cat. <laughs> the only thing that I would have to worry about is, oh, she jumped. Yeah, although... I can't imagine that's more than double the force. Probably not. 
And these things are rated to like well over 50 pounds, if I recall correctly. It's been a while since the, I've done it. The drywall screws that came with it didn't have a weight rating, but I looked it up because I don't want to make any more holes in my drywall than I need to, even though I already made two extra. But uh, they're rated to like 70 pounds, so I think they can hold up a simple cat rope bridge. Yeah. I went all out with this cat stuff. I'm making my cat a road across the top of the wall. Ooh. And she's going to get a hammock right above the television set so she can just watch us while we watch TV. Oh, hopefully she uses it. She hasn't used any of the other stuff yet, but I'm sure she will. Eventually she'll stop smelling all the other stuff. Civilization 3, 4, 5, Beyond Earth, and 6, Sound Clips, Copyright Take-Two Interactive. Copyright the Polycast at thepolycast.net.